we can launch it into our context and see that Peter is not being domineering. He's not upholding the status quo. He's actually doing something extremely radical and profoundly subversive to help people in impossible situations know how to glorify God with their lives. Welcome to the teaching ministry of Manahawkin Baptist Church. In today's culture, where marriage and family and relationships are so deeply misunderstood, it's important for us to turn to Scripture to see what God's intentions are. Please turn with us to 1 Peter 3, 1-7 for a message entitled, Radical Families. Our passage, alongside the previous two passages, asks an important question. How do people worship Christ alone in their families? There are many people who have donned these doors, who spend the entire week in isolation worshiping Christ by themselves. And God is the kind of amazing that doesn't just say to them, figure it out. He knows exactly the situation and speaks to it with unbelievable clarity and authority. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. through 7. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, and the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. There is no question about it. This is a extremely controversial passage. Why in the world would Peter use language that today sounds entirely chauvinistic and misogynistic? Be subject to who? Your husbands. That's not very popular. Be gentle and quiet. Why? Because apparently the text says God loves a quiet girl. As Sarah, this, this one, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord... Live with your wives in an understanding way. (sighs) Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Ooh. And why give a paragraph to women and one sentence to men? What in the world is Peter doing? Now, I'm not going to lie. This passage is a stumbling stone for many. And this past week, as I was reading uh, many commentaries and articles on the matter, I began to, I I had the privilege of reading several um, feminist writers on this passage. And one of the things I noticed was that the church has a lot of baggage when it comes to misinterpreting this piece of scripture. I actually read several articles from people that I used to think that I respected until I read their commentary on this and was flaming mad as I saw men tell women basically to be, be physically and sexually abused and just to deal with it. That is not what this passage is saying. As difficult as this passage is, it's using words from an older context that if we can understand those words, 
we can launch it into our context and see that Peter is not being domineering. He's not upholding the status quo. He's actually doing something extremely radical and profoundly subversive to help people in impossible situations know how to glorify God. We can launch it into our context and see that Peter is not being domineering. He's not upholding the status quo. He's actually doing something extremely radical and profoundly subversive to help people in impossible situations know how to glorify God with their lives. What we think we've been told when we need to stand on what the text actually says. So, with that in mind and on the authority of the word of God, let's see how... Men and women are liberated from this profound text. Let's not be held back. So last week I explained an important Bible study technique that I feel will help anyone when they come across a passage like this. Some passages you read and they just sort of register. Oh, that's good. That's easy to say. But this one is confusing and tough. So we need to ask the question, where is the radical idea? What is he saying? But in order to get at what he's saying, we actually have to ask the question, what does he say? Never assume that you understand what the passage is saying. Stop and read it again. Read it aloud. Write it down. Make sure you have the word order intact. And all of us need to walk with that kind of humility saying, well, what does it mean? What does it say? What's the radical idea? And how does he get there? In order to get to the radical idea, I'd like to start on verse 7. For the men, likewise husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. First Peter 3, 7 is to men. In Rome, men were considered the legal authorities of their home. Now, in Rome of those days, men could make their wives do anything. So what happens if you're a husband and you f- legally you can make a woman, your wife, do anything you want? Well, why not coerce her? Why not make her do it? To that, Peter says, no. What does he say? Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. When I first read that, I thought it was saying, oh, just give them, give them, oh, kind of throw them their bone. No. So they don't believe the same as you. Then they don't. Are they not a believer? Deal with it. Live in understanding of where they are. You are not responsible to make them a follower of Christ. So you're in the same house with someone who sees the world completely different than you. Understand it. Move on. This is extremely important that we understand this. Showing honor to her as the weaker vessel. (laughs) That's a controversial phrase there, but what about honor? Showing honor to her as the weaker vessel. This word honor is not just throwing the lady a bone. It's the same word he uses for responding to the emperor. Oh, I'm sorry. Not forget the emperor. Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. To honor this person is not just to treat her like a dainty little princess. It's showing absolute authoritative respect. The same way that you would respond to Jesus Christ if he walked into the room, so respond to your wives that way. Now what does this phrase mean, weaker vessel? It's not a statement of value. It's a statement of care. Sure, legally, Roman man, you could make her do something, but you're not supposed to. If your wife does not want to worship Jesus with you, don't make her. Don't. Don't coerce her. Don't beat her. Don't punish her. Don't. 
Instead, show the same honor and respect to her as you would Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Imagine this. You've grown up your entire life being told that you are, have 100% authoritative responsibility to make sure that your family does whatever it is you want them to do. And then you become a Christian and the rest of your family doesn't necessarily follow suit. So what do you do? Now Peter's saying, show honor to her. And then he says, treat her like a sister in Christ. She might not be. But treat her that way. How would you honor a sister in Christ? Then he says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Oh, prayers. Now we don't really think much about prayers, but let's think about what prayer actually is. Prayer is the means by which you and I communicate with God. And he says, if you coerce your wife and abuse her to becoming Christian, your channel to God is cut off. How do we know that? Because of the exact next passage. Chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. Who desires to love life and see good days? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. All good. We know that that sounds Christian. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Still no problem. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You tell a man who's been growing up in his entire life and he's been told he has unbelievable power over the people around him. And you say, if you abuse that person, God isn't going to listen to you. You've basically shut your door. And then see how they respond to the call to live with their wives in honor and respect and holiness. This is unbelievable The radical idea to men is to treat your wife with the same honor as Christ and so witness to Christ. For if you don't, God won't listen to a thing you say. We have a lot of baggage to undo as the Christian church in in the world because many people have read this passage and have lorded it over their wives, skipping verse 7 altogether, acting as if verse 7 never even was. No. Men... It doesn't matter if your wife is a believer or not. You honor her like you would honor Jesus himself if he walked in the room. And if you don't, you've basically declared yourself an evildoer before God and you've shut down the pipeline of communication. Then this is a big deal. No Christian man makes his family do a thing. God is the one who changes hearts. God is the one who makes things right. Men... Forbid such behavior in your life. Let it be that everywhere you walk, there's peace and life and hope and joy. Abuse has no place in the church. It has no place in this church. And it should have no place in your homes. Your home should be the kind where people walk in the room and they find out that there is a God just because they walked into your presence kind of thing. And if you love your wife the same way that Christ loves you, This is what he's saying. This whole passage is about being a witness to Christ. He's saying, love your wife in that way and so be a good witness to Christ. The fact is, Jesus Christ has liberated you and your job is to liberate others by showing them the love and care and dignity of Christ. Let there be no excuse for anything else. And women, if you have a husband who tries to justify abuse in the name of God, call the cops. That's what we're supposed to do with abuse in this country. And any time you find abuse in your homes, you're not supposed to suddenly become a counselor, suddenly justify it, suddenly say they mean well. No. 
God has called you to be protected. God has called you and your family and your brother, everyone, to be protected by love. Love that looks like Jesus' kind of protection. Let it never be said that the men who called Jesus Christ their Lord punished their wives by making them come to church. Trust the Lord and be a good representation of Jesus Christ in your home. There's nothing godly about coercion. The man of God looks at Jesus and says, this one laid down his life for another so that they might be saved. I will lay down my life so that these people in front of me might see the salvation of Christ too. And if they don't listen, that's before them and God. But as for you, love them like you love Jesus Christ. That's radical. It was radical then and it's just as radical now. Husbands, don't manipulate your wives. Don't make them do anything. Because if you do that, God's not going to listen to a thing you say. That's a big deal. Who does God not listen to? The unrighteous. What does it say about our hearts if we suddenly find ourselves in a place where our prayers are not being listened to? We need to examine our hearts and see if we're saved in the first place. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. But he doesn't just speak to them, he speaks to women as well. And now we turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Women weren't considered slaves in Rome's, but they were just one step above that. What a terrible thing to be writing to new Christians who had no legal rights no voting power, and really no way of escaping that. If women did not worship her husband's gods, that was considered an act of defiance. And the husband had legal rights to make the wife do that. And what Peter is saying here that is super countercultural is this. Your wife can worship whoever she wants to. Especially, of course, if that is Jesus Christ. Pagan wives would not have asked for that much freedom in their, their homes. It was asking too much. It was throwing off the entire social status quo. So what do you do, wife? And in Roman culture, the chief virtues that a wife was supposed to attain to were this, a gentle quietness of personhood and beauty. So Peter, knowing all that, turns it all on its face and says, Let the most beautiful woman in the room be the one who's not just beautiful in appearance, beautiful in her stature, but the one whose heart is a deep well of the love of God. Christian ladies, don't try to outdo Vogue magazine, is what he's saying. You have nothing on those ladies, and they have nothing on you. They're chasing a world standard that cannot be defined and can never be met. But you... Let your heart be the kind of beautiful that causes people to stop in their tracks because it is that kind of awesome. If it causes God to say, yes, then it's going to cause the world to say, what is it? 
That's so beautiful and it's so good. And remember the point of the passage. It's not just how does a godly woman look. It's for the sake of witness. This woman is alone in her home in a place where she is actually under scrutiny from her entire society, her entire home because she doesn't worship the same gods. So how does that woman protest? She doesn't protest by raising a banner and whacking down gods. The inside of who she is is fully kneeled before the living God of glory. That is a witness to Jesus Christ. Peter gives the woman two, women two commands. Be subject to and witness to your husband by your good works and adorn your, your heart so that your true beauty is before God. And then he gives an, a historical example for how that looks. He mentions Sarah. He says, holy women of God used to subject themselves to their husbands in this way, just as Sarah did to Abraham calling him Lord. Now, a little bit of context here. That is not actually holding up Abraham as being a good guy. The context here is what if your husband is not in obedience to Christ? How do you respond? Abraham, if you read his story, was a scuzzy guy at times. He did some things that were so stupid and put his wife at great risk. And one of the reason Sarah is being upheld here is not because Sarah said, Lord, which was just a common cultural vernacular term for respect in those days. Don't get, let's not get caught up on that word. Sarah entrusted herself to God no matter how stupid her husband was being. That's the example. Abraham put his wife in so many bad situations. We're not to look at Abraham and say, oh, what a guy. We're to look at Abraham and say, oh, no, Abraham, why would you do that? You're so dumb. And you're supposed to look at Sarah and say, that's what holiness looks like. She was in a situation that was out of her control, that she had nothing, she had no power to fix it. So what did she do? She entrusted herself to God. Now I wonder if Peter would write this story today, how he would have talked to women today. I don't honestly know. But one of the things I need to say about this is that the whole point of the passage is, how do we witness to Christ And he's writing to people who have no rights, no legal ramifications. If they stood up in the marketplace and said, my husband just beat me, they would have said, you probably deserved it. But to Christians today, how do we respond when we hear of abuse in a home? We call the cops. You'll hear me say that a lot throughout the rest of my life because we live in a time, we're called to live in subjection to this culture, to this government, to this time, and this gratefully This is a place where women have rights. And we as Christian men and women, when we see someone whose rights are being abused or overlooked, we should be the first to advocate justice on their behalf because that is what what we're called to do now. And to women, the radical idea is this. You are not trapped and you're not subservient and you're not lesser in value, but you can be a profound witness for Christ by who you are and what you do. This is an amazing thing to say to someone who genuinely has no rights. Is one step above a slave in that culture. And he says to women, you're not subservient. Jesus Christ is with you and watches everything you're going through. And he walks with you through everything you go through. And you can be the brightest light in the darkest house by trusting him. Christian women are called to walk a line just like everyone else between accepting the culture and subverting it. 
And the biggest way that we subvert it is by being changed on the inside. You are a daughter of the king. You have been given the beauty of Christ. And he's building in you true, eternal, lasting beauty. And so let your light shine so bright, no matter how dark it is in your homes, so that people might see your good works and glorify their Father in heaven. This is why I love being a Christian. Oh, it's so good. Because the promises of God are true to every person in any situation. The gospel does not lose its grace and freedom just because we seem to accept sin on a popular level. The gospel, in fact, gets brighter and stronger when it goes into a culture and says, enough is enough, and it subverts it. The gospel says to people, you may be stuck there, but God is with you. The gospel says to people, you are not stuck there. God is with you. Get out. And Christians, we have that message today. And it doesn't lose its power just because the world around us gets darker and darker and darker. It gets brighter and brighter and brighter because God doesn't need a perfect situation to make his love known. All he needs is the situation. It doesn't matter how bad it is. No matter what your family is like, you may be the only person worshiping there, but God is with you. Have you been mocked? God is with you. Have you been threatened? God is with you no matter how bad it gets. The Lord of glory enables you to make him known no matter how dark the situation can become. Know that's true. If you know someone who's serving Christ alone in their home or alone in their family, and this, this is the broader application. It doesn't matter if you're a son, a daughter, aunt, uncle. It doesn't matter at this point. This is how it applies to all of us. You can glorify God in your family by yourself, even if nobody else cares or notices, or if they care a lot and they hate you for it. You can glorify God there because God is with you. But we have a lot of people who worship Christ by themselves. Do we support them correctly? God, I hope we do. But if we don't, we should repent and get up and keep on moving and keep on working so that people who have a hard cross to bear throughout the week feel support from us. This passage tells us our calling is to support and strengthen people, but also if you're here today and you're in that situation, you're trying to live for Christ in a family that doesn't live for Christ, it might be a good situation. They might just be, cool, mom's religious. Or it might be a terrible situation. Look at the heart of God for you. He's with you. Today, many people in the church are caught up in a serious discussion on what they consider the protection of family values. But I wonder, are we defending the idea of family as a concept while forgetting the families that are right next door? Perhaps there are people within your life who are undergoing abuse. First, 
Legally, you are bound to report abuse to the authorities. Beyond this, as Christians, we are called to defend the reality of family by advocating the needs of people within families. That means supporting mothers and fathers who have experienced abuse. That means reaching out to children who have or are experiencing abuse or neglect. The church is greatest when it's on the front lines of the needs of its communities. So I encourage you, you, O Christian, defend family and the concept of family by advocating the people around, the people around you, many of whom are desperate for help and and hope, and they may not know where to turn. Manahawkin Baptist Church is pleased to support a ministry that defends families. It's called Grace Initiatives. It's an organization that helps young women by advocating their needs, providing help and shelter, and by walking with them through life's up and downs. We encourage you to support the work of Grace Initiatives or similar ministries or parachurch organizations or even social organizations. And if you are a young pregnant female in need of help, or if you know someone who is in this situation, we encourage you to contact Grace Initiatives at graceinitiatives.org or you can call their phone number at 609-242-0131. They text as well. That number again is 609-242-0131. And the website is graceinitiatives.org. As always, if you're in Southern Ocean County and are looking for a church home, we would invite you to come to our Sunday services and to participate in our life groups. We meet Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. in Manahawkin, New Jersey. You can find out more information about our Sunday service and our ministries at manahawkinbaptistchurch.org. Otherwise, there are many beautiful, incredible, wonderful, Bible-believing, God-honoring, Christ-worshiping churches near you. Please get on Google Maps and look up a church and then seek one out. Whatever you're doing... Please, please invest yourself in a local church so that you can be a part of the Christian community there. Find advocacy and accountability and help in time of need so that the ministry of Christ may be further proclaimed in your neighborhood so that God may be honored by many lives being saved in the coming years. And now may God bless you. And may God bless you to be a bright and shining light in your relationships. If you are married, may God enrich that relationship and provide health and protection and joy for everyone involved. And may God bless your children. May God bless the relationships between husbands and wives, fathers and sons, moms and daughters, and everyone in between. And may Christ be glorified that the church would advocate marriage, not just as a concept, but as a place where marriage and people in them can be radically advocated In the name of Jesus Christ, have a great week.